sometimes when I'm getting ready for clients to come, spirit will motivate what jewelry I'm wearing or, you know, what I'm putting out on the table. They'll just somehow guide me in in my choices that morning as I prepare. And there was one particular morning where I felt like, oh, I should wear all my turquoise today. So I had turquoise earrings. I had a turquoise necklace. I had turquoise on my bracelets. And I didn't know why, but I felt like there was going to be some reason. So when I met my client at the gate, I noticed that she was wearing a necklace with a big piece of turquoise on it. And I said, oh, notice my jewelry. I felt inspired today to wear all my turquoise jewelry. And I don't have very much of it. This is all of it right now that I'm wearing. And she said, oh, wow. She said, my daughter, who's in spirit, loved turquoise. And in fact, she was buried in a turquoise casket. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? Hi everyone! In this episode, I continue my conversation with psychic medium Renee Buck. If you missed part one, you might want to go back and listen to episode three. In this episode, episode four, we talk about the time I did a past life regression with Renee, if past life regressions can actually be verified or considered evidential, what information mediums should get during a reading to show that they are genuinely connecting, and since one of those factors is gender, what happens if the deceased person the medium is bringing in was transgender or gender neutral? We also discuss what it feels like to Renee to give a psychic or medium reading. And one of my favorite parts, Renee shares a really what the fuck, highly evidential experience from a medium reading she gave. Lastly, I ask Renee some pretty awkward questions. And with that, let's jump right in. Another thing I did with you that, in fact, I think you're the only medium that at least I know personally, although I'm sure plenty of others do do it, that does past life regressions. And I had one with you and you know, a really interesting experience. Yes, you did. Yes, I detailed it in my book. I had multiple questions too about it. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to give my personal disclaimer. You might agree with this, you might not, but 
it's really hard to really call past life regressions fully evidential. I follow really closely the work of Drs. Ian Stevenson and Drs. Jim Tucker, who I will talk about further and who are written about quite extensively in my book. And you should also just Google them on your own. They're child psychiatrists who, from a very evidential, factual perspective, study kids with past life who claim, make claims of past life memories. And one thing that really stood out to me are two things. One regarding Dr. Ian Stevenson is that Carl Sagan claimed that Dr. Stevenson's work was worthy of further investigation. So it's not Mm -hmm. that Carl Sagan claims he thinks it really demonstrates past lives, as Carl Sagan wouldn't, but Mm -hmm. it's really a testimony to the thoroughness and logical approach of Dr. Stevenson. In Dr. Jim Tucker's work, JAMA, Journal of American Medical Association, has backed up Jim Dr. Jim Tucker's research and said that Mm -hmm. it's really valid and thorough and seems to really be pointing to kids actually demonstrating past life memories. They're not drawing that conclusion, but they validate that his research seems to back that up. So these are very, very logical, valid men. Mm -hmm. I also have to give a shout out to Renee because I didn't do it at the moment because I was so into her story. Did you guys catch that she talked about how she was doing and it was an MBA, am I right, at, at MIT? Is that right? Yeah, it's actually a Master's of Science in Management at MIT, yes. So, see, I know mediums have, there's a lot of stereotypes, which I held myself, that mediums are very illogical and <laughs> woo. And Renee is incredibly logical, smart, you know, science-minded. So I feel I'm, like a I'm lot the of greatest people, skeptic. <laughs> Well, I might give you a run for your money on that. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But I, I, you know, proof is really important to me as well. And that's what I think drew me to spiritualist style of mediumship is because it's all based on proof, on evidence, on science. And if you, if you can't prove it, then you won't ever be certified within the spiritualist church either. So, yeah. Anyway, continue. So... I did a past life regression with Renee, and it was just a really interesting experience. For me, there were just really just these unexpected moments. I expected Mm -hmm. to go into a meditation. I expected to have the experience, which I did, of either making up or remembering, however you want to word it, stories of past lives. Mm-hmm. A few things I absolutely did not expect was how easily the information came to me Right, was a really weird moment in it where you said there was a point where you said, we're going to download your guides and get some information and ask them questions that I had about my life. That I didn't really know the answers to. It wasn't an option to ask evidential questions like, tell me this theory of strength or, you know, or something even much less philosophical, but something that I could then Google. But they were a little more life questions such as, you know, why am I still single or why mm-hmm. didn't this one thing in my life work out? And what was interesting was information just poured out of me and I did not remember it when I woke up. And then I listened to the recordings, mm-hmm. was astounded by how fast I was speaking 
and the information I got about questions I felt blocked on in my life. And I thought that was fascinating. Plus this one moment twice during it where I felt as if Renee like either ran her finger along my cheek or blew on mm-hmm. my cheek. And, <laughs> that, right. and I freaked out. And maybe if it had been anyone I didn't personally know the way I know Renee and trust, I would think that they did a trick where they ran their finger along my cheek or a feather <laughs> or blew on my cheek. So there would be, I know, that was, I did freak out at that moment. Um, but I trust Renee when she said she absolutely did not do that. And I asked right. her, probably I interrupted about 10 times. I kept saying, are you sure? And then we examined every way through her apartment to see if it could have been a wind or the turning of a page where she was taking notes. And we could not come up with a normal explanation. So that was, I would mm-hmm. say, my experience doing a past life regression with Renee, as well as her incredible patience. Mm-hmm. You know, I do remember one point there was a question I asked, you know, that was being delved into in my regression where you, I was to ask, how was it, was there anything related to a past life that led me to go decide in this life in my response to grief to explore scientific evidence of an afterlife? And I feel I was one thing that stood out to me in this exploration is that I pretty easily found the very logical, verifiable, much more reputable people and people that I would take seriously. While I'm under this meditation, she's like, so we're going to examine how you went from skeptic to believer. And I was like, I don't believe anything. And I just interrupted the whole thing and freaked out for about 10 minutes. It was like, you cannot call me a believer. I seek evidence. I don't believe things. Renee was really patient. Let me have like my 10 minute freak outs where she's like, okay, Liz, let's, why don't we just get back to this? But so Renee has been very patient with me for a long time, but that was my little antidote of my past life regression. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'd love to know your thoughts on it, your experiences doing past life regressions and guiding people in them, because mm-hmm. I don't even know specifically what to ask, just share what, if you don't mind just sharing a little bit what it's like for you. Well, firstly, I would add that your regression was not just past life, but also life between lives, which is where you are allowed to sort of ask, remember those prepared questions that we had in advance that you get to ask your guides. And so a life between lives regression is where you're actually taken to the other side and, and you get to meet with your guides and, and we go through this, this set of questions. So I think what is always interesting, especially for people who are, you know, unsure about it or who, who are doubting about whether it's going to be their subconscious that's speaking or whether it's coming from somewhere else, is actually the speed of information that's flowing through and things that later you are surprised by things that, you know, you wouldn't have said, you know, in your conscious thinking. I still have not drawn a conclusion as to which it is personally. I don't deny what Renee's saying, but I also don't back it up completely. I'm going to stand that I don't know which it is. And that's fine. That's fine. I think what, because when I went into it, after I had read a book by Dr. Michael Newton called Destiny of Souls, he, he specialized in life between life regressions, right? I was really curious about it, and I wanted to have an experience that gave me some proof 
you know, that this is really possible because I'm a believer. I believe in the afterlife. I believe in spirit. So I'm, I'm a little further than you there, but I need to have the experience myself in order to fully accept what's coming through and where it's coming from. And so when I had my first experience with life between lives hypnosis, the one piece that fully confirmed for me that I was communicating with my guides, even though I could see them, I was, you know, I, I was in this room and round white room, blah, blah. The piece that confirmed it for me was that they, they showed me on this screen a past life of myself as a sea captain in like the 1700s. And I, even in the hypnosis, as I listen back to it, you know, I'm laughing because I get seasick so badly now. Like I hate being out on a boat. Like that's the last thing that I could ever imagine myself. And so I was even my conscious thinking mind while I was in the hypnosis was thinking this just doesn't seem plausible, you know, that that man on the ship is the captain, right? Then that's me, that that was me. It just didn't make sense. Uh, the next thing I think the therapist said, well, what is the ship doing? What are you doing on this ship? And the answer was that we were intercepting slaving ships and forcing them, you know, taking the slaves and bringing them back to Africa because the slave trade was illegal. And, and so this was illegal activity. And so... As well I, as morally despicable. Yeah, exactly, right? And I was a very principled sea captain. I was, you know, I was like, not going to let this happen. And so even in the hypnosis recording, I say to my therapist, I don't know if that's even true. I don't even know if that was even a thing. And he's like, well, something to look up later. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I was very doubtful, while, even, even as I was in the hi- hypnosis, which is a little bit like Liz, <laughs> like that, that you were, right? There was a part of you that was doubting <laughs> what was going on. But anyway, so I finished, I finished my session, and that, the first thing I did when I got home was to look that up. And indeed, there were ships patrolling the Atlantic that were, whose purpose was to, to intercept the slave trade and bring them back. Um, I never knew, actually, until right now no. that that existed. That's I great know. that it did exist. I wish there had been more of it or wish it right. didn't have to exist in the first place. I mean, I, I don't know that anybody knows that, you know, unless they're a huge, you know, history buff. But that's that's the kind of thing that, you know, when you can go and look it up later, that will convince you that, okay, well, that part was, was really true, and that was more what I was really doubting. And so it helps you to accept so much of the other stuff that came through as well, those little nuggets of, um, of evidence. I didn't get yeah. anything as evidential as that. I'd say maybe the closest things I could say to evidential were probably from my experience that how the memories, which again, I can't call this evidential exactly, the memories felt more like memories than when I made something up. It felt very equal to remembering a time in my past, like remembering my nursery school or elementary school. And they were vivid that way as if in a memory. Then there were a few things I remember that I had one of, were they not more vivid in the hypnosis? Typically your senses are much more heightened they weren't more different. vivid than remembering an actual memory, but they were more, much more vivid. They were equal to an actual memory. Okay. 
but I have a very good memory of my actual life. So mm-hmm. it equated mm-hmm. that, but it, no, it wasn't more heightened, but I did lose a sense of time. I thought it had been about an hour and mm-hmm. it was about three or four hours. It was some crazy was a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really long. And it went really fast. So I would say things were evidential just in one sense, in the sense that it was, just so much was a different type of experience, the level of lost time, um, the amount of the way memories poured in so easily, the yeah. way I understood things about my life. And when we got into the asking with spirit guides and seems to be giving answers so easily that I felt very stuck on. But if we're mm-hmm. going to go for hardcore evidence of Googling something that I said that was backed up as factual, the only disclaimer to that, and I do think just out of, integrity is important to say is we can't know for a fact that you hadn't read that somewhere when you were maybe a teenager and stored it in your subconscious. I mean, we can't prove that we can say you, we can go into probabilities, but that is one of the issues always a little bit with past life regressions. Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. that information is out there. That being said, that's yeah. absolutely fascinating. And I do, yeah. I think it's really, I mean, it's definitely worth putting in a bucket of evidence from my perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. The reason that they showed that to me was that they were saying that the theme that was running through my lifetimes was the value of a human life. It didn't matter the gender, the race, the, the you know, socioeconomic circumstance. It didn't matter what the person looked like or the situation that they were in, that they had value as a human. And in every one of my lifetimes, I would be the champion of, of people, the voice that said we are all equal. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families, as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash clubcare programs for a complete list of programs and activities. Which is very much your values today, too. I mean, it that is. That hasn't stopped. 
Renee's yeah. my friend I've gone to like the women's march with and you know we yeah, true both are really you know we have endless discussions about our rage of how people are being treated today and are caring about equality so that that's yeah. been right. a consistent mm-hmm. um, and it was in that context so the therapist said can you show Renee an example of a lifetime where this was her her actions were as loud as her words, and that was the lifetime that they took me to was the one on the the ship. So that you know, I found that all like I would never have put myself on a ship because I get seasick so badly. So anyway, all of those things sort of taken together made it feel more believable to me. So when okay. I took your class, I know there's just so much stereotypes that mediums give really general information. But I know that you believe in being an evidential medium. Anyone who ever gets certified by the Forever Family Foundation needs to give evidence, not general information. And you taught that there were specific things that a reading needs to start with, that a medium needs to get. Would you mind sharing with everybody what those are? It can vary sort of, you know, teacher to teacher. I think the sort of the key things that you should be able to identify is the relationship of the spirit to the person who's sitting or the sitter who's receiving the information. So that connection, you should be able to identify how the the gender of the person, how they passed, and then something else very specific about about them. And that can that can be either you know what career they were in, what, maybe if they had a, an unusual hobby or something, that can be an identifiable factor, maybe where they, where they lived or if they were from another country, where they were from. So, so that, you know, that last piece can be something that's um, just very specific and identifiable to the person, to the person in spirit, but that the sitter would understand or recognize or possibly later have to look up and and come back and report. (laughs) What happens with gender? I remember you once had an interesting story with that. What if someone's transgender? Oh, yeah, right. I did have, it was around that class time, yeah. I had a reading with a mother whose child had come in, a child in spirit, and I couldn't actually tell the gender of the child, which was a very unusual thing. I said, I feel like I'm getting both genders. And she said, well, actually, my child is transgender. Started out as, I think, started out as a girl. I, I Actually, I'm not sure which way it went, but that validated that confusion in, in gender between the body and the, uh, the soul, I guess, uh, was validated in the reading. And when you say get the gender, how, what does that mean, or get the career, or get the age? Do they come and, is it? Like someone sitting there and saying to you, hi, I'm a girl. I died at 30 years old. I was a teacher. Well, every medium receives information differently. We use all of our senses. For me specifically, it's mostly, most of that information will come through visually or clairvoyantly. So in a reading, my eyes are closed and imagery, it's either like a video clip or just a set of of images Shifting images will appear to show me that. When it comes to gender, however, that's something that is sentience, so feeling. 
um, are sensing. And it, I don't know how to explain the sensation of a female versus a male. It just, it just feels different. Yeah, just, it's just a different feel. Gender also is part of seeing. So sometimes I just I see them coming in as a woman or I see them as a man. But if it's just an energy, if I just see like, you know, a light and they're not clear visually, I will still be able to sense the gender. Yeah. And when you say see, do you see them as if it looks like the person sitting in the room next to you? It's it's like it's not as clear as, as if they're sitting right in the room with me. It's sort of a little bit hazy generally for me, but I can get a um, sort of a sense of, of body type, of age. I, I can sense the character, so that's where more sensing comes in. I can sense if they were sort of playful, like to play jokes on people, or if they were just very sweet and loving, very light, if they liked to be the life of the party with all the focus on them, like those different sensations of character uh, will also come in with the person. And and if they're shy, oftentimes they're like off to the side, like the last one in, they're the quiet, they're like, they're waiting to be invited in. Like, so they will almost act out their personalities in the course of the reading and behave as they might here on the earth plane, which contributes to the evidentiality of recognizing them. Is there a reading you gave that just, you're like, holy shit, that was evidential, like, or a moment in a reading or a verification. Is there just one standout that you feel okay sharing? Like that you would tell the big, like you, that you would have told me when you first met me, like the biggest skeptic that's like, okay, come on, tell me. I guess I would say there's like, I never remember a whole reading because, you know, we're just vessels. We're just, the, the stuff flows through us and, and out and done. But there are bits and pieces of readings that always stand out to me that, that are fun. I can think of a couple recent ones that had to be validated after the client left. And I think those are kind of the most fun ones, and they had to do with finding things. So there was a client recently who, at the very end of the reading, her father was speaking. Her father was in spirit. And her father pointed to his daughter and said, she's got a question for you. And so I said, okay. And I asked my client, I said, you have a question for your dad that you want to ask? And she said, yes, I do. I want to ask him what happened to the painting. And I said, okay, the painting. And she said, well, I painted a painting for him and he had it hanging in his bathroom. And he said he took it down to bring it into work to show his friends at work. And after he passed, we couldn't find the painting anywhere. And I just wonder what happened to it. I asked her father and her father showed me that it was in the house, but that it was covered up. It was in a dark place. I couldn't tell if it was under a bed or in a closet, but it was in a dark place and then covered up with stuff. And she said, well, I have looked everywhere and I, I can't find it in the house. And so I went back to him and I said, well, you heard that. So, and he's like, no, 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 it's there. It's there. So I said, okay, well, he says it's there. So it's just in a dark place and it's covered up with stuff. Two days later, I got a text from her and she said, I found it. It was in the closet, covered up with stuff. <laughs> that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It looked everywhere, you know, again, but then went back to some of the dark places and sure enough, there it was. 
So that was fun. And then, um, and then there was another woman who came to me recently. She was bringing a friend of hers for the reading. So she wasn't actually having the reading. But when she met me at the gate, she, she pulled on the And they come to your place, just to clarify, because you never, for example, never went to that woman's house to even know she necessarily lived in a house or over an apartment. They come to your home. Right. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that she was actually living in her father's house while she was sorting through stuff, but I knew that it was in his house. So I don't know if that's relevant, but anyway. So then the second example, so this woman who had been to me before for a reading a couple of years ago, and I didn't remember anything about the reading, but when I met them at the gate to come in, she pulled on this chain and she said, I found it. And I said, okay, I'm not sure what you mean. She goes, the chain. Remember the chain that I was looking for? And I said, actually, I don't remember, but maybe you can refresh my memory. She said, well, when I was here last and I asked if you could ask my daughter where the chain was that she had given me because I can't find it. And you told me that to look behind a radiator, that it had fallen behind a radiator. So when she went home, she found it behind a radiator. <laughs> so, yeah, so she was wearing that chain to show me. And so that was, that was pretty fun. Let's see, what else? Uh, sometimes when I'm getting ready for clients to come, spirit will motivate what jewelry I'm wearing or, you know, what I'm putting out on the table. They'll just somehow guide me in, in my choices that morning as I prepare. And there was one particular morning where I felt like, oh, I should wear all my turquoise today. So I had turquoise earrings. I had a turquoise necklace. I had turquoise on my bracelets. And I didn't know why, but I felt like there was going to be some reason. So when I met my client at the gate, I noticed that she was wearing a necklace with a big piece of turquoise on it. And I said, oh, notice my jewelry. I felt inspired today to wear all my turquoise jewelry. And I don't have very much of it. This is all of it right now that I'm wearing. And she said, oh, wow. She said, my daughter, who's in spirit, loved turquoise. And in fact, she was buried in a turquoise casket. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I said, don't tell me anything more though, because I want, you know, to to bring the rest of the evidence through in the reading. And she's like, okay, well, it's a good sign that she's already working with you. So it is a good sign. And then the reading went on to be quite, quite amazing and filled with, uh, filled with good evidence. And in fact, you know what? I wrote a story. I, th- I wrote a blog post about that. I think, that I, think is- I read it or you told me because I remember that story now that you're telling it. Lastly, it's kind of a two-part question because those people are like, oh God, like two sort of the awkward questions. First of all, can you read minds? Like if someone's thinking something really awkward, like they're there with their boyfriend and being like, oh my God, I hate him. And like, I think that other guy's hot. Or I mean, something even more embarrassing. Like if people are having really embarrassing thoughts, can you read their minds? Cannot. I okay, cannot. good. No. But it is a typical fear that people have um, when they find out that I'm a medium. And so I will often follow with, but I don't worry, I can't read your mind. So, yeah. From the awkward perspective. And then, so our, yeah. now the other awkward question that I know I've asked you, but I think other people want to know and people get embarrassed asking. So, you know, I mean, most people don't want their grandparents from while they're like having sex and <laughs> having awkward questions, <laughs> awkward experiences, you know, or just like naked in the shower. They probably don't want like, I don't, 
Yeah, exactly. Like this pile of spirits. Like, I don't know. I think of maybe some guys I grew up with, you know, who, you know, you'll sadly pass away or just, you know, I don't necessarily want them like hanging out while I'm in the shower. I don't want my grandpa in the room while I'm like having sex. What What's up with that? How do we... <laughs> so there's something called the privacy veil. And I honestly don't know the mechanics of it, but as I understand it, if you're doing something or engaged in some activity where it's not appropriate for spirit to be observing, a privacy veil sort of automatically goes up and they are no longer able to observe or they simply know that, oh, this is not for me to be part of. I'm leaving. Can you and the spirit be in disagreement about what's privacy? Again, like some, maybe some creepy guy who passed away being in your shower like I might not want that they might think that's fantastic so that could be a disagreement what do we do about that be a disagreement exactly well you can always talk to them you can say okay listen everybody out you know I want my privacy and you know spirit they do what we ask of them so if you're ever in doubt just say everybody has to go you can stage your apartment too which well, I don't know. Saging, saging is basically clearing energies that are sort of heavier energies. I, when I sage before a reading, it's to clear out any spirits who are here that don't need to be here and invite only those in that, that I'm seeking to connect with. So, But yeah, if you're concerned that there are spirits hanging around you that you really don't want or haven't invited, then saging your your home or apartment is probably a good activity, but also just saying out loud, okay, anybody who's here, please leave. I want to be alone. Thank you very much. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. Eric asks, is there anything you would have done differently or any regrets in your research? Um, I don't know if in one sense, I just see a few little things along the way. I wish with the very first medium I went to, I had given a Google voice. I addressed that in the book. That's really the only thing I would say, oh, I should have done that differently. Nevertheless, she did know stuff that could not have been found out by Googling my phone number. And if she had Googled, she wasn't as good as if she Googled, such as getting like my dad's full name and date of passing and all the public record stuff she could have gotten if she just had googled and then I'd say really like for a while I was really considered this a regret and felt bitter um, kind of the whole path that I found the people who helped me you know from forever family to the mediums um, my main mentor who just was my rock Fran Ginsburg passed away and I really had a sort of periods of like bitterness and regret that this was the path in the sense that I, I did go down this path out of scientific fascination. I do think this is the biggest, most remarkable scientific discoveries. And of course, I also went to heal my grief. So I felt very, in a way, angry and betrayed, like, okay, so I go to heal my grief. I find what I would say are like 
some of the perfect people to help me and I end up getting my heart shattered again. And I felt sort of if there is consciousness on the other side that are helping orchestrate this, I felt pretty pissed off as if they'd sort of set me up to just be crushed again. But in terms of how I've handled my research, no, I I don't have regrets. And I guess when it comes down to it, despite my heartache of another loss, I wouldn't do it differently where I never had gotten to meet Fran or never had gotten to meet Forever Family and the close friends I've made through it. So that's that's the answer. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciencey Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance. But that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to wtfjusthappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. Are you an advocate, a change maker, a healer, or an expander? Does your business have an important story to tell? A story agency can help you craft and share your business's story with the right audience. A story is a public relations and communications firm that develops thoughtful strategies, content, and powerful partnerships for those who are making a positive social impact, sparking reform, and promoting well-being. Founded by Allison Mahoney, 
an American lawyer who has spent the past decade advocating on behalf of survivors of social injustices, crimes, and civil rights violations, a story agency is not your average PR firm. Reach out to a story agency today at hello at a story, E-S-T-O-R-I-E agency.com or visit www.astoryagency.com and mention WTF just happened in the subject line to receive a free 30-minute consultation. As I'm sure you've heard, the Supreme Court in the United States just overturned Roe v. Wade, which protects a woman's right to have an abortion if she chooses. Now it's illegal in some of our states. If anyone is looking to obtain an abortion and you live in a state where it's illegal, you can check the following sites. I suggest using a VPN, virtual private network, which hides your identity on your computer or phone. These are the sites, womenonwaves.org, womenonweb.org, aidaccess.org, plancpills.org, wholewomanshealth.com, abortionfunds.org, and of course, Planned Parenthood. I linked all of them on our Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore, and they're saved in our stories. These are also great places to donate and see if they need any help. Oh, thank you. My God. Okay. It's been an hour and a half. I have like 80 more things that we could talk about. So including, I mean, I already have questions about our spirits really more evolved. Some might be some, I highly mm-hmm. doubt are like, is Donald Trump going to die and like the next day be this highly evolved, like kind <laughs> spirit. I'm going to guess no, but that's all, you know, because we both probably have to do other things. I would love to have you back again mm-hmm. at some point. Well, thank you for inviting me, Liz. I really enjoyed this and that you reach a lot of people with your, your book and your podcast and all the other things that you're doing. It's, uh, I think it's a very worthy cause and a worthy effort. Thank you. And if any of you are interested in getting a reading with Renee or a past life regression or just reading her blog and learning more about these fascinating stories, her site is called Whispers from the Light. And I will have all the links in the podcast notes. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had 
a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened. <laughs> <laughs>